Welcome to the World Art Now podcast, exploring the world through the material culture of its people, in association with Michael Backman Limited. Hi, this is Michael Backman, and I'm here with Sarah Corbett. We've been discussing books, and as we've mentioned in other podcasts, we have a lot of books between us, and certainly there are hundreds, if not thousands, here in the gallery. We've been talking about what are, which books are our favourite books, and so Sarah, I'm going to ask you now, which is your favourite book? I first of all didn't know how to respond to this question, Michael. Mm. It's um, it's like saying which is your favourite child, almost. You're not meant to say it, are you? <laughs> and um, I thought really hard about which books I use a lot and which books have been very useful, but also which books have been very accessible yes. for me and for why I use books. I don't often sit and read a whole book. I dip in and out of books for research or because something intrigues me. Yes. And I don't know if it's a attention span issue or just that I'm busy looking for things, but it's very rare that I will sit and look through a whole book. I'll find what I need and then move on. And I think Many people would have expected me to have named a Moroccan reference book at this point, um, but yeah, Moroc- Moroccan. I was going to say Moroccan, being your sort almost your lifelong sort of tends interest. To be my corner of fascination. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. But I love to learn new things, and I just have a, a lot of respect for this book. The book that I've chosen is by Marjorie Ransom, and it's called Silver Treasures from the Land of Sheba. Yes, and it's a really good look at the material culture of the Yemeni people and it's an area that I had come across Yemeni things very frequently during my travels but I didn't have the ability to discern one area from another or why some very beautiful pieces weren't silver and perhaps felt like they should have been and This book was such a gateway for me into understanding the reasons for the jewellery as well as the look of the jewellery. So when I received the book, I actually read it all. Ah. And for me, things don't usually keep my attention for that long. So, So Marjorie can write. Marjorie's done a great job, yes. not just of the writing, but of bringing that very human aspect yes, yes, yes. about the pieces mm. and being mm. very concise using mm. the facts that she went and gathered herself in the field. Yes, uh, so, yes. She lived, did she live there, I think? She did. I believe yes. she lived in Yemen and she also extensively explored right, village right. to village, mm. which is absolutely mm. the way that my mm. interactions with Morocco have been. Mm. And I know that opens up tiny little areas of knowledge that you would not find in a city when you're asking about a more remote area. You have to be there, you have to interact, you have to have enough time to have trust and conversation and interaction with people to learn the things that she has shared in this book. Yeah, I found in this book, I mean, we use it a lot for the gallery, and sometimes I must admit, if I don't know what something is, um, Marjorie, I can send her an email and say, you know, gosh, do you, do you know what this is? Or sometimes she'll email me and she'll say, do you realise that you've put this on the website and, and here's some extra information? So she's such a font of wisdom. And one of the extraordinary things is that very often she'll identify the maker of a piece and she's gone and met the maker in the past if they're still alive at the time and, and so on. And that, that sort of first-hand knowledge is really amazing. Yeah, that in-the-field experience is absolutely irreplaceable. And the way that she's concisely shared that 
so it is so useful to people like you and to me who want to research a certain piece and who want to have just a deeper understanding of it rather than it's Yemeni. Mm. You have the you know the different groups of people with different backgrounds and different religions who have been in Yemen and making things. You also have the different contacts. So, you know, there's a very Maghreb, North African, Middle Eastern aspect to some of it. But also on the opposite side of the country around Hadramat and the ports, you have the connection to trade routes of Southeast Asia. Yes. And the jewellery there has a very different feel. Yes, that, that's so true. And the um, just from my own research uh, recently, the, those trade routes to Southeast Asia were, were so important and were given such a kick along with the advent of steam travel and the opening up of the, uh, the um, I was going to say the Panama Canal, but the Suez Canal, and which allowed uh, mass migration almost of Hadramat people into Southeast Asia. And that exchange of ideas, concepts and actual physical abilities to make things, those um, aspects of creativity are shared mm. and it, it gives birth to this whole new concept of jewellery within Yemen Yes. that's particular to small areas. Yes, yes. I heard the name in Morocco so many times from every dealer, it's a Bassani, it's a Bassani, it's a Bassani and I don't believe any of those dealers know what. Bassani actually is or means mm. and through this book by Marjorie I've been able to learn more about the family and about their silversmithing and about right. their ability to make exceptional filigree oh, okay. and in some ways been given just a little bit of the skills that I need when I'm buying to actually challenge this assertion that this is a Bassani piece by seeing and understanding what that actually means rather than it being a catchphrase for dealers elsewhere. Right. So Bassani, what, so it was a family? It's or, a family okay. of silversmiths, but there was intergenerational, also, intergenerational right. but also a movement of teaching silversmithing techniques. I see. And it's um, very fine Jewish silversmithing, lots of filigree, oh, okay. lots of granulation and oh, okay. often signed pieces as well. Right. So words that were in the ether around me yes. that I knew were relevant in some way mm. were actually given some grounding mm -hmm. when I received mm. this book and it made me able to develop and hone my skills to actually work out whether it was just being used as a, a selling phrase by yes. a dealer or if this piece actually did have the um, finesse and the hallmarks of something that could have been made by this family. And as I don't read Arabic, I could never tell whether the little right. stamps added or actually Bassani or I must also say, um, this is a, it's a beautifully photographed book, not just of the objects, but um, Marjorie's gone to a lot of trouble to then show the context. And, and she'll talk about a village, and here's a piece of jewellery from, from this village. Then she shows you a picture of the village. There's also the village, and the architecture's stunning, but yes. there's also pictures of women wearing the pieces mm, mm -hmm, in mm. those villages, in those regions. Mm. And for me, that completeness of material culture, because there you can see people wearing their jewelry with their tattoos, with mm. their choice of hairstyles or hair coverings, their clothing, their embroideries. And for me to put all of those things together stylistically is just absolutely key to understanding material culture yes. place by place, rather than homogenizing Yemen to be yeah. You know, 
all the same. There's yeah. so much differentiation. It feels that this is not so much a book, it's more of an achievement because, I mean, Yemen is, let's face it, it's not the most hospitable, easy place to be. Of course, now it's impossible to be. But I think even when things were calmer and, and uh, more peaceful, it was still a difficult place, difficult terrain to travel around. And, and, and yet she's done this from, uh, you know, to the highlands and, and to the coastal areas and all of this and brought it all together in one place. Yeah, and also... It's so timely that Marjorie's book happened in time to save this information. Ah, yes. And it's recorded now for yes. all of us to yep. appreciate her, um, just her dedication to the study of getting it right and explaining it clearly. So much of this culture is currently being lost due to conflicts and just, yes. you know, wiping out of a, a culture. Well. I think Yemen held on to that, still wearing mm. it. The same way as maybe in we find in northern India, there's still, mm. you know, a lot of it's worn. But now a lot of this stuff's being sold because it's someone's bank account and times are hard and so um, the jewellery gets sold. There's one particular book in, piece in this book that really brings back some warm memories for me as well. And um, I've... A little bit of a story now, <laughs> Travels. I was travelling with a collector called Patricia Dini, and she's a very passionate collector and collects things from many, many places. And she pointed out a necklace to me in a little shop in Morocco, and it's fine and it's delicate and it looked like lace. And she went, oh, I like that necklace. And I said, I've never seen anything like it. Where's it from? And she said, it's from Yemen. And I just couldn't conceive that this very light, delicate filigree of birds and flowers, almost in a bib-like shape, could be a Yemeni piece. Because at the time, my concepts of Yemeni jewellery were big, round, silver globe balls with lots of granulation and bracelets uh, yes. for filigree. Indeed, yeah. And it was the first time that I perceived of this wider spectrum mm. of pieces. And it fired my imagination as to what else is out there that I wouldn't know was Yemeni at first sight. And this book really connected all those pieces for me. And I think that made it, you know, a bit more personal and rewarding just to lock all these anecdotal things that I knew into place with some really good hard facts. You alluded to uh, the Jewish silversmiths uh, in Yemen. Would you say that most of them were, were Jewish? Um... I don't think that completely. I know around Sana there was a huge amount of Jewish silversmithing mm. and of exceptionally mm. fine quality. Mm. But I think that, you know, in more rural areas, then people replicate within their budget what they can. Um, and it's just, you know, a complex pattern of who silversmithing where mm. in different areas. But certainly around Sana there was um, a large Jewish silversmithing yeah. community there. And that was fairly typical of, of the region and also northern Africa as well, where sure. you had a whole culture of Jewish silversmiths. And of course, a lot of that's gone now with the opening up of Israel. And, and the, a lot of them simply left. The Jewish got silversmiths up and left. leave. And yep. then those that learn some of their skills or replicate their pieces, make attempts to make similar cultural pieces, which... Sometimes you get people who are very good at it, but often they're more crude yes. and made in a way that doesn't always show the same yeah. finesse. 
And it's interesting that the Jewish silversmiths, uh, I guess they were making uh, jewellery for their own community, but also for the wider uh, is local Islamic community as well. I think so, yeah. I think that yeah. um, they were seen to be exceptionally good at what they did. Yes. And as jewellery shows status, yes. if you can afford to get it done by someone who's exceptionally good at making what you want, mm. then if you can afford it, that's who mm. you'll use. Mm. Sarah, that's been fantastic, and I'm, I'm so pleased that you've chosen this book as one of your favourites because I must say, from my point of view of operating the gallery and doing a lot of the research here and so on, I use Marjorie Ransom's book all the time. So we've been talking about Marjorie Ransom's Silver Treasures from the Land of Sheba, Regional Yemeni Jewellery. Uh, it was published, let me have a look, when was it published? Um, Probably four years ago now, Yeah, it was published, the date, the date, 2014. Wow. 2014, and the good news is that I hear that she, Marjorie Ransom, is doing another book. I heard the same, I look forward to seeing it when me it's too, published. Me too, me too, because hopefully it'll be just as useful as this one is, because uh, this one is terribly useful, So, and I, well both of us, we really strongly recommend it. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Michael. You have been listening to the World Art Now podcast in association with Michael Backman Limited. To hear more, visit worldartnow.com.